All right. right. So I know we have a lot of proposed episodes. I, I'm prepared on books, movies. Yep, I got that. Heart of Darkness. Got it. I have a cons- conspiracy uncensored. I love uncensored conspiracies. So, well, none of this is conspiracies themselves are necessarily uncensored, but I have, you wanted to talk about sports rigs. Yeah, and I do feel I like have, it's real. I have two other small conspiracies. Okay. Like, I, they're, they're bite-sized conspiracies. Let's start with movies, since we both have it ready. And then if you're up, if we, like I say, at the very end, depending on how time is going, we should try to knock out Miss Dalloway, but that's, oh, that's, that's right. the yeah, least yeah. of our worries, really. Okay. Because I keep hard. forgetting of a, like, I know you're saying, no, we could, maybe we should wait till next week. Cause then next week we can pick what's after. Cause okay, we'll finish. Let's do it. Cause yeah. I, I'm not going to start anything for a couple weeks yeah, anyway. Okay, perfect. All right. So I'll just start with movies. Like, I am so convinced that we already did a miss. Is Dalloway. I, I mean, I did believe you, you. I don't, I believe you. Cause I, you post I, them. I could be wrong. Like, I think <laughs> that like, I, here's what I think it's happening. I was thinking about what I was going to say in the episode. And I think that in my brain, that just filed it away as I'd already done it. Well, if we have time, I'd love to knock it out. But if we don't okay. have time, I'm fine well, with that, that's, too. Let's so just start with movies, though, and see what happens. Right. So tonight's episode is... Uh, I, I say we keep them separate still, if you're okay with that. So the, oh, if we do movies, okay. it'll be 84. Yeah, that's fine. So 1,084. Episode 1,084. Movies. 2022. <laughs> Welcome to the Sci-Fi Christian, bringing you theology at warp speed. I'm Matt Anderson. And I'm Ben Bono. We're back. We're back. And uh, continuing the tradition with our favorite and least favorite first-time viewings. Yeah. Now, I know you asked me how many to prepare, mm-hmm. and I don't remember what I told you. I'm very prepared, so I can work with any number you have. So, I'm just going to be honest. For both books and movies, my numbers are all over the place. Okay. So, for, for best... I, I have a 16 number list. Okay. Uh, that's a weird way to say that, I guess. And for worst, I have a, a top 10. And then when we do the books episode, that's kind of a a mess too. But let, I think I could, why don't we start here? I think you I could make a – I, I was prepared to go all the way to 15. I, I wasn't expecting you to say 16. Can I can I just give my – because my 16 yeah. isn't really a movie, but it was on Letterboxd, so I put it on there. So we're doing movies first, so I could – I'll just tell you what I could provide to you. I could provide you a top 15 movies. Okay. Favorite. Yeah. And then uh, top 11 worst first-time viewings. What did you say? You I have a top 10 worst. Okay, great. So, so, so why don't – I'll just give you my number 16 because it's not a movie. Well, let's start at number 16. So we're, let's just tell the audience quickly. Just They've heard it before, possibly. But if you're new to the show, we're counting down backwards. Oh, yeah. So, so well, I think are, that part's normal. So these are our favorite first-time viewings. And so that's won't important. Be all the movies that we've ever seen and last then, year. So, yeah, not movies. In fact, I think I only no, – I have two movies released in 2022. Where this will list. be important, the counting down, is when we do the least favorite. That Because then when we get to number one, it's the number one worst movie. Yeah. Not the best of <laughs> – Right. <laughs> All right. So do you want to start with worst? Yeah, that's where we're at, right? No, you want to start with best. I usually let you choose if we want to – I have best up in front of me. All right. Let's start with best and then we'll end the episode on our – is that what we want to do? Yeah. You always, you I like always to feel bad because you want to be positive. But right. tonight... I just feel like you want to go out with the main event, and the main event are the ones we're recommending. Okay. Well, that's fine. I mean, I'm but you, like, I'm not crabby tonight. Yeah, so I should I, just do what you want. I, no, I'm, I'm <laughs> like, I'm, I'm at like an 11 out of 10 right now. <laughs> All right. And 
you know, because like here, here's the context. I got a lot going on with work, huge, huge project wrapping up this weekend. So you kind of get into the zone, right? Yeah. And it's like the work to home transition is when you're supposed to come down off that zone. I'm the transition. That's time. not happening right now. No, he came straight to a podcast. Well, and and you know, just like I'm gonna, I bring my laptop home because there's more work to be done tonight. Yeah. So I'm just at an eleven out of eleven. You know, I I'm having to apologize to a lot of people about that. Oh no! So okay, this well, is a blanket apology if me? I am rude to you tonight during recording. Well, I say we start with our favorite since you have that up. No, I got worst up now. All right, great. <laughs> number, I got, I can do eleven. And you do, a, you start number eleven. Number eleven for me is an animated film I watch with the kids. Uh, it is, I think it was produced in part by the World Wrestling Entertainment Organization. It's called Rumble, and it's about the Monster Wrestling League. And I give it a two stars. Well, that's fake, a, a though, right? Rate. Well, it's animated, and the monster monsters aren't real. So yes, everything about oh, it's oh. fake. <laughs> Hey, I'm tracking. Number 10 for you. Number 10, this is, so a few of these, you know, I love Criterion, of course, but I, I'm afraid to say, looking at my list, I think all of these are Criterion movies, so oh. they had a few bad ones in there. This is a movie called Me and You and Everyone We Know, uh, and there are people who just love this movie, like it was on people's top 10 list that year, and I watched it, and I hated it. And I found it's like one of these. So it's from 2005. You know how Juno came out in 2000, mid 2000s. And then like around that time, and this is, I guess, a little bit before that, but there was all these quirky little indie comedies. Okay. And, and a lot of them were horrible. This is one of the horrible ones. Okay. I hated it. Okay. I was just thinking as we're looking at this list of ones that we don't like as much, I think there won't. I won't need to explain some of these. I won't have to go into deep explanation on why I didn't like it. For example, my number 10 is a Jennifer Lopez romantic comedy called The Backup Plan from 2010. And that was a two-star movie for us. I mean, it's more of a question of why you chose to watch that. I mean, I could always say, like, for number 11, I watch it with the kids. Number 10, watch it with my wife. And you'll see more of that. I don't. I do watch movies with my kids, but usually it's like. And my wife, but I'm usually curating selections I want to show them. So, like, this year, you know, I just showed Owen, who's 12, Alien, you know. Oh, wow. Yeah. 12? Yeah. Okay. No, he's, like, he's, he actually just read 1984 on his own. So, he's a, he's a, he's, he's. Advanced. Advanced, yes. He can even talk. But, yeah, we, and this, some people out there probably won't approve of me showing, uh, all these movies to my kids, but like I showed the older two, Die Hard. Oh, we I love that Die Hard. Christmas. I, mean, I do know. love Die Hard. So I do watch movies with my kids, but I feel like we have different approaches. You watch what they want to watch. That's true. I curate for them. Yes. If you were to look at my letterbox, you'd see what we are, what yeah. I'm now, being asked In fairness to, to you, your kids are not yet at an age where you can show them Die Hard and Alien. Not yet. I have been thinking about showing them 2001. Yeah. You should. Yeah, it's, but it's a, if, you know, I bet my eight-year-old yes. could watch 2001. And kids do better with it. This was an observation Kubrick made because it, like, adults tend to rely more on language, which I think kind of you could take an Ian McGilchrist filter on this, whereas 2001 is so visual and so non-language-based. Yeah. But, yeah, you can show them. Uh, you start to find things like that to ease it into it. But I will say – although I, I suppose there is – you know, I'm not going to sit down and, and watch – garbage just because my kids want to um not that 
everything you're watching with them is garbage. Yeah. See, that was the blanket apology right. coming into play. <laughs> but I will say one of the great pleasures I find in parenting is curating both great books, great movies for my children. Yeah, I get that because I'm excited for when they're old enough where I can watch through the MCU with them. Let's, let's move on. <laughs> uh, number nine is a, a classic movie that I'd never seen, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Oh, yeah. And let me see if I – I think I wrote a review for it. I, I don't know if I did or not, actually. But what I, I remember thinking is that I hated every <laughs> single person. Yes, here's my review on Letterboxd. I hated every character in this movie, every single <laughs> one. Two stars. Yeah, you know what? This is on my list. Or when we were doing films from 1982, I would – I was considering watching this before we did that episode, and I never got to it. So I've it's been on my radar for a while. It's a, it's a cult classic, I believe. So you're saying no, don't no, do it. Okay. No, I. That's good to hear. Maybe you'll like it better. I hated it. All right, number nine for me is the sequel to Minions called Minions: The Rise of Gru. <laughs> Isn't uh, that a prequel? Uh, well, it's it's weird because the Minions movies are prequels to Despicable Me. So this is a sequel to the first prequel. Oh, yeah. Uh, I actually like kind of doing a Star Wars. I actually liked Minions. Uh, most people hated it. This one wasn't as was not as good. So two stars for Minions: The Rise of Gru. Have you ever looked up? And I'm guessing the answer is no. You know Minion memes. No. You haven't seen like the the, the Minion memes people post on Facebook and I, everything. I, maybe I've seen them. What are you thinking? They're of just like really lame okay. very lame but that wasn't what I, my question was i was assuming that the answer to that would be yes that you had seen many me <laughs> have you ever looked up uh not safe for work minion memes <laughs> no, there's a whole genre out there and they're uh wildly inappropriate and very funny All so right. uh you know slightly pornographic i guess yeah. so I, I guess i'm but it's minions so like hopefully nobody's actually turned on by these all right, let's move on. Number eight for you. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I didn't weird, it's a weird night. Ten <laughs> years in, we're recommending Minion. No, we're not recommending. For well, the record, I was. We're not recommending. I was. All right. Uh, but not if you're actually like, I don't want anyone to sin because of it. Okay, let's move on. Number eight. Uh, so Criterion had a box set for uh, Melvin Van Peels, who you've heard of Mario Van Peebles. The director, his his father, Melvin Van Peebles, and it had four movies in it, two of which I like quite a bit and two of which are on my worst of the year list. And the first one of those is a movie called Don't Play Us Cheap. And I have to say, I'm probably being unfair to this movie because I watched it right after the other movie from the box set that is on this list, which is considerably lower and made me angry on every level, it, it morally outraged me. It outraged me from a artistic level. You should spoil it now. And no, just, I'm, okay. I'm not going to spoil it. But then I watched this one, and I feel like I was predisposed to hate him at this point. Okay, wow. So here it is at number eight. Number eight for me. Listeners, you may remember that around Halloween, I like to watch some of those classic Universal monster movies. And I've been just... Yeah. I usually binge them in October. And I came across what I... Th- think is my lowest rated one to date the creature walks among us from 1956 are you familiar with this i i'm not but i'm guessing creature the black lagoon right yeah one of the fun things about the creature from the black lagoon is how he's you know swimming around in the black lagoon well in this one they do something to the creature so he can just walk around regular like outside of water like he can breathe air right 
Like if you were to look at the picture he's just wearing. They should have called it creature what? out of the Black Lagoon. Yeah, you're right. That would have been better. Yeah, he's just wearing clothes in this uh, image here on Letterboxd. So not getting exactly what you're hoping for from the creature from the Black Lagoon here. Two stars. All right, number seven for me. So one of the documentaries I watched in Criterion recently was a documentary called Streetwise, which is very good. It's from the 80s. It was about homeless kids in Seattle. And then the for whatever reason, they included in this box set a follow-up documentary like 20 years later on one of the kids and it was not good. And that's number seven, which is Tiny, The Life of Aaron Blackwell. So the original movie, Streetwise, I thought was a very well done documentary. Strongly recommend it. The, the sequel, not recommended. Strongly unrecommended. Yes. I was just thinking about the creature from the Black Lagoon. He's swimming around. It's kind of some cool scenes. Of course, we like Jaws. I recently watched for the second time The Hunt for Red October. What is it about underwater adventures? Why are they fun? Uh, that's a good question. I, I mean, I think they are there, fine, there but I don't know very, why they are You fine. know, it, it almost goes back to, like, the whole ancient apocalypse thing we were talking about, mm. Kooky Christmas. Like, there is this sort of primal nature water has yeah. in our, I don't know. Our, our, our genetic memory. Just something to think about. All right, number seven for me. I believe this is my least favorite Alfred Hitchcock movie okay. that I've ever seen. I watched it not that long ago. 1964's. Marnie. I was hoping you were going to say Marnie. This is also my least favorite Alfred Hitchcock. The yeah. only redeeming quality of this movie is is listening to Sean Connery try and pull off an American accent and fail. I was glad to see Sean Connery, but yeah, this movie is bad. Yeah, it, it's really, and it's disappointing because you think, oh, it's Sean Connery in an Alfred Hitchcock yeah. movie, but it is an awful movie. Yeah. Yeah, I've watched that a number of years ago and I I hate it. It's one of the few Hitchcock movies yes. where it's like, I just can't recommend anything yeah, about it. because I, there's a few that I love, yep. and there's some that I enjoy and they're worth yeah, seeing. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a big middle section. This one I would say, just pass. Yes. Yeah. yeah All right. Totally agree. Number six for you. Number six for me is a, a movie about prostitutes called Working Girls, and I didn't like it. Okay. It's from, you know, it's from the 80s. Criteria, and I it is a criteria. So I was watching, I wasn't just like, I'm gonna watch a movie about <laughs> prostitutes tonight. Yeah, I mean, we haven't mentioned it for a while, but listeners, <laughs> yeah. uh, you may remember if you're a long time listener, is that Ben is slowly working his way through the entire Criterion collection. And you just told me last week, I'm I'm so it's exciting because I just passed since we talked. I'm under a year, meaning the ones I'm watching now are released, were released in like end of February. Last mm-hmm. year, so not, I'm not, under not a year. Not that the films are from that year, but that the, 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 the yes, Criterion, Criterion version edition came yeah. out. So I'm I'm within striking distance. That's I'm crazy. thinking like July is when I'll catch up. Yeah, we'll do an episode of that when you do catch up because we'll want to go over your favorites and kind of what that journey was like for you. Absolutely. All yeah. right, number six, uh, listeners, you may remember that every Christmas season, my wife and I watched those Hallmark, Netflix, the cheesy Christmas movies. Uh, we didn't watch as many this year, but this was the worst. It was called Christmas Movie Magic from 2021. I just don't want to go into it. It's about what you expect. I did have a rule. I didn't, I didn't want to flood my list yeah. with those movies. So this, this is the worst of those. Did you follow any of the sister swap drama? No. I'm not familiar so, with that. So, is that a Christmas movie? Yeah, there was like a Hallmark Christmas movie or Netflix one or something. And they released like... The same movie oh. twice, Sister Swap. Wait, did I tell you? I think I no, told no, you no, about this. I read about it because Dan Harmon was the one who made it go viral. He was yes. he was posting about it. I did read about this, and I'm very interested. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. 
this was, I'll just quickly tell a story. So whoever it was, let's just say Hallmark, although I'm not positive. It might yeah. have been Lifetime. They released on back-to-back weekends two movies with the exact same cast, similar titles, but not exactly. Right. But uh, and some scenes shot like exactly the same, but there are two different movies. It's like this this weird experimental. Yeah. Like you take the the most cliched genre and then you did something experimental and yes. meta with it. It was yeah. very bizarre. So after more investigation, I found out that it's a it's a movie where two sisters swap lives, not literally, but they go in like one's from the city, yeah. one's from the hometown, and they reverse roles. And then we see what so one movie's about one sister, the other one's about the other sister, but where their stories overlap, those scenes are in both films. It's like somebody went Christopher Nolan on, on the Hallmark genre. <laughs> yes, I'm very interested. I'm sure it's not good, uh, no. but I'm very interested. All right, number five for you. Uh, number five for me is a movie I, I've heard of before, uh, but I've never seen. Love and Basketball, and it's awful. <laughs> it's, it's aw- Do you ever have a movie you just start and you're like, this is not, yes. I am not the intended audience. That happens to me <laughs> actually quite often. <laughs> The, the next couple on my list are in that genre. Like, I'm sure there's somebody out there where Love and Basketball is their favorite movie. I started this movie. Like, I am not the audience for this. Oh, man. Well, I'm next going to talk about an initiative I think I should be giving up on soon. Okay. Is this, this to watch every Rock movie? Yeah, I watch every movie that The Rock is in. Yeah, you should. And three of my entries on this list are Rock movies, and this is the first of three that are going to show up in my top five worst Ugh. first yeah, time doing. I think that experiment should end. Number five is called Empire State from 2013. I, I did not even remember what it was about until I knew we were doing this episode, and I thought I should find out. And then I refreshed my memory. And, yeah, I'm uh, trying to think. I mean, it's just a heist movie. Oh, okay. But that, not worth saying much more about it. And The Rock is barely in it, so I... Uh, Double trouble for me then. So Empire State, my fifth least favorite movie of the year. All right. Number four for me is another one that I had this same I'm not the audience reaction. It's a movie called Hedwig and the Angry Itch, which I'd heard of before. I was like, oh, yeah, that's kind of a cult classic. I'm curious to check it out. It turns out that uh, musicals uh, where the main character is a transvestite are not my cup of tea. Man, this keeps happening to you. Yeah. Not... I mean, not musicals about tra- transvestites. So, so you keep on, you're checking out, the, you're, you're trying things out, and just well, realizing, yeah. you know what? And that's been part of the Criterion experiment, yeah. is allowing, it's like curation for you, and, and not everything's going to hit. Mm-hmm. So, and when we get to the best list, you'll see the other side of that. I didn't mention it, but at Marnie, I was at two stars with all the movies I talked about, but that Christmas movie and Empire State with The Rock, those are one and a half, and now I'm at my one star movies. So I, I watched only four movies last year that were one star or less. Just stay with me. So number four is the most recent Die Hard film. Oh, I've never watched it. A Good Day to Die Hard from 2013. I actually own it because I bought... They had a box set that came in a replica of the Nakatomi Tower that I have. So I have all five movies, but I've never watched this one. You know, I I, uh, love the first one, so I decided to watch all the sequels, and somewhere I was seen for the first time... None of them are as good as the first, of course. No. But the, the I can't remember two or three. I can't remember which one it is. The one with Samuel L. Jackson is very good. Yeah, there's some some of the sequels aren't horrible, but then you get I think the, is this there's like there's five total, right? Yeah, yeah, four and five not good. Yeah, All I'm right. not a fan of two either. I I feel like two they lost a lot of the humor. I feel like I know it's just Die Hard. It's just but every sequel ruins the first one. Yes, because there's a nice. It, 
there's action, but I like the family story that's happening there. Yeah. Well, there's that, and then it's also, like, at least in one, he is, there's moments where he kind of transcends it, but it's not like, you know, by the time you get to four, he's basically a superhero. Yeah, but what I mean is there's a family story that is that has a nice resolution by the end of the movie one. Yeah. But then the rest of the movies just destroy what happened in that first film. Which is probably what would happen with, with John McClane. But I don't want to I be agree. real. I, I want agree. to be fun. No, I agree. I actually completely agree with you in this case. <laughs> uh, Die Hard, what, that movie is so brilliant. Yes. And it's brilliant not because it's realistic. It's it's just it's the distillation of what a perfect action movie yeah, should be. It is amazing. All right, number three for you. So every year I think I wind up with a John Waters movie in my bottom ten. And this year it's polyester, and I always feel like I'm the butt of the joke because his movies are intentionally offensive, and then I get offended by them, and I'm playing right into his hand, so he wins every time. There's another one coming up. Pink Flamingos is coming up in my Criterion watch through, so we'll see if I can beat him. Why do other people like it so much? I think because they are offensive. Okay. You know, but I and I try. I, I'm not offendable. But I am offended by him. Hmm. Actually, two of my final three movies I found grossly offensive. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of gross, number three for me, another rock movie called Doom from 2005, based on a video game I haven't played. Yeah. Yeah. All right. There I, it is. Didn't they do... I haven't seen the movie, but don't don't they do like first-person shooter Yes, camp? they do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I understood the reference, but it didn't mean anything to me. This is one where as soon as it started, I realized, okay, this one's you, you not going to be for me. It. Yeah. It was it, way more on the horror side. Well... It was action, horror, like kind of just gross for the sake of being gross. Number two, Ben. Uh, number two for me. So spine number 1000 and Criterion was a box set of old Godzilla movies, like 15, 16 oh, yeah. of them. And it was fantastic. Loved watching through them. But of course, they're not all great. Yeah. And in this case, we have All Monsters Attack. Which is like okay, they've they've given up at this yeah. point. So I like the idea. Yeah, if the first Godzilla <laughs> movie like is, is legit, yeah, exactly. But but worse is <laughs> is a legit classic. Yeah, and just a great movie. This is the other end of the spectrum. It's usually considered the worst Godzilla movie. This is not the other one I found morally offensive. Just okay. for the record, I always think about going through those Godzilla movies, and yeah. I watched the first one and have not gone far beyond there. So. Is the first one just the best, and then the oh, others are yeah. fine? The, the first one's the best. So, am I? I mean, is it best for me just to stop here? Or are there others worth seeing? Yeah, I mean, there's other good ones, but I don't feel like you know you're you're robbing yourself of one of the essential human experiences if you don't watch the other Godzilla movies. Okay. Uh, speaking, of, this is a total total tangent. Do you mind if I stop here for a second? I just watched a movie that I loved. Okay. That will probably be on next year's list. My Darling Clementine, which I think you oh, recommended. Yeah, yeah, Did you yeah, recommend yeah, this? It's uh, OK Corral, right? 1946 uh, That's Western. That's a great movie. And I didn't, really, I didn't know what it was going to be about. In fact, the title it probably, throws you off, right? it probably made me delay watching it when it turns out to be the, the story from Tombstone. Yep. It's the OK Corral. Yeah. It's a great movie. Oh, my movie. gosh. Five stars. But it made me in the mood for a samurai film, actually, because it, you've always told me there are so many similarities between those two genres. Right. So do you want to just throw out a quick recommendation for now that i've seen this and i'm in the mood for a samurai film what's your recommendation you know i i i you've never seen rashomon though that's not a pure samurai film i would say yojimbo you know if you want to no, get I, right to, i've seen yojimbo. Oh, okay you have yeah but yeah that's exactly the feel i'm looking for so i, I want to ride this wave so thinking in the considering that like i i just 
finished watching this great, uh, what do they call it, the shootout at the OK Corral. Yeah. I want that feel, but in a samurai film. What do you recommend? I know your jumbo would have been I'll, good. I'll give it some thought. Okay, you got to tell me by the end of the episode. Okay. All right, where are we at? Uh, yeah, two for my me Darling or? Clementine is John Ford. I couldn't remember. Yeah, loved it. That, that's a great movie. Okay, my number one. Oh, wait, I haven't done my number two. Oh, you're number two. Okay, so here and there, I try to give anime a chance. Yeah. I've got a family member who loves anime. So I decided to watch this 1988. I, I feel like, I want to say classic. I, maybe I'm wrong. I feel like a lot of people like Akira. You've heard of Akira? Yeah. Oh my gosh, this is, I mean, the animation style, besides just being anime, was like a grosser style of anime. It was, this movie was sick. I don't have the my review open, but I have very negative feelings towards this film. Sometimes, you know, like Rumble, the first movie I talked about tonight, Monster Wrestling, I gave it two, but I actually kind of, I have fine feelings towards it. I remember enjoying the viewing, even though I could see the movie's not good. This one, like just I, thinking about it, it grossed me out. Yeah, so... I don't, uh, get, I don't get why people love it. My recommendation for you is the movie Harakiri. Okay, thank you. I, uh, I don't know that it's exactly like the OK Corral, but it's a great samurai movie. It's not. I wanted to recommend something not Kurosawa. Okay, not that you know Kurosawa is great, of course, but if you do want a Kurosawa, watch Throne of Blood. That was on the uh, Sight and Sound list. It's his adaptation of Macbeth. Oh wow, it's a okay. great, great samurai movie. All right, so Akira One Star. What's your number one least favorite movie of last year? All first right. time viewing. Content warning. Oh, boy. Uh, Melvin Van Peebles, and I'm just going to read the title, Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song. So this is an experimental movie, uh, and I guess that's fine. You know, I didn't enjoy that aspect of it. I did not make it through this movie. Uh, Wow. This movie. How often does that happen to you? Not too often. You know, every now and then. This movie opens with a sexually explicit scene, which, you know, whatever. But my problem with it is that in the scene, he shot, he, he cast his teenage son in this scene. And so within the context of the narrative, I didn't find it offensive. But the filming of this scene, I found so morally, grossly offensive. I was, I was like, what? I was I was apoplectic that this was filmed and then released. In fact, that scene had to be edited out of the British version. So already we were off to a bad start in the first 30 seconds of this movie. So then it was like, okay, I'm going to try and put my moral outrage aside, watch this movie. And then we got about 20 minutes in of of just experimental, you know, non non-narrative nonsense and we get a shot of a large man on a toilet taking a crap with graphic sounds, and that was when I was like, "I'm done, I'm out, I'm out." Yeah, it does. Melvin Van Peebles, I'm out. You should probably be in jail for this movie. <laughs> Maybe literally, I'm out. I hate you. I hate this movie. And then he tried to spin because the movie, of course, was controversial when he came out, and he tried to spin it as a racial thing. Like, that's not a racial thing. What year was it from? Uh, 1971. Okay. You know, you made a morally offensive movie, and then you tried to play the race card. I didn't stop watching because it had black people. I stopped watching because you had a man taking a crap with graphic sounds, and you opened with a scene that you should have been in jail for filming. And then you play the race card. 
And so that's why then, you know, the next day when I sat down to watch the last one of that box set, oh, yeah. don't play as cheap. I was like, I'm not even interested. Yeah. I hate you. Wow. Okay. I will say the other film in that box set, there was two others, but uh, Watermelon Man, I found very, very funny. Very good. Well, my number one least favorite movie isn't as bad as that, but <laughs> I did hate it. Another rock movie. My final rock movie on the list, of course. Of course. Pain and Gain from 2013. I have a short review it's already. It's a Michael Bay movie. I, I didn't know that going in, but yes, you're right. And even now, I kind of forgot that that was true. Here's what I wrote. Two sentences. This movie was terrible. I'm a fan of The Rock, but this has to be one of the worst movies that I've ever seen. Half star. I give it a half. This is my only half star rating for the yeah, whole calendar year of 2022. You never half star. I think the last half star rating I gave was Cats. And I think that's the sign that this, this Rock-a-thon needs to be over for you because usually you'd be like, well... But I am a fan of The Rock, so I'm going to give it an extra star for The Rock. This You you just couldn't even do that. It was bad. It was really bad. All right, should we move on to some good movies? Yeah. All right, let's do it. So I'll start with 16 because yep. I have 16. And, and 16 for me, again, not really a movie. It's a miniseries. It's the Ancient Apocalypse miniseries oh, that we yeah. talked about. I, I've been wanting to watch that. I still have Netflix yet. So but I, was, yeah. <laughs> I do want to. It was on Letterboxd. I threw it on the list. Um, but it can be unofficial because it's, it's not truly a movie. All right. Uh, my number 15 on the list is a movie that's going to be specific to certain people that have interests from a certain time period. So here we go. It's called The Jesus Music, and it's a, about the rise of Christian contemporary music. But it's not like – it's not necessarily coming at it from a pro right. view. It's just kind of a – I feel like a semi-balanced, semi, maybe even a little bit questioning some of the things that have been in there. But I, with a – I don't know how to put it. Positive, but not like sugarcoating everything. Okay. So, yeah, uh, documentary from 2021, The Jesus Music. Lots of interviews with people that you'll, if you're, well, we're the sci-fi Christian, so I'm guessing a lot of people listening There's will recognize a lot of the faces there. A lot of bad Christian music. Yeah. But a it, lot so of bad. it goes through de- like the last few decades. Of course, I was most interested in the 90s because that's when I first started hearing Christian music. <laughs> but it has. I think it starts earlier than that. So, there it is. Number 15 for you. Uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. So this was on the sight and sound list. I don't know that I would have put it on there. It's definitely not in my mind one of the 100 best movies ever made. Uh, But it is a a beautifully shot movie. Like, you know, the story's so-so. You know, it's not bad, but there's nothing nothing spectacular about it. But just from a cinematography, um, really, really well shot movie. And so uh, it doesn't quite deserve the reputation it has, but is a excellent movie nonetheless. All right. So I gave one bad Alfred Hitchcock movie on the last list. On this list, I've got 1943's Shadow of a Doubt. Have you seen Shadow of a Doubt? I Maybe. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure. I, really lo- I was impressed by this one a lot. Gave it four and a half stars. All right. Next for me, let me see. Shadow of a Doubt. Have I seen it? I've not seen it. Uh, my next one is a movie called Old Joy, which is just about two friends who go out in the woods together. It's like a minimalistic movie. Um, it's kind of great. It's like two f- old friends reconnecting. They go on a camping trip. Uh, it's it's terrific. All right. All right. Next up for me is a movie from 1947. I. It's maybe under the umbrella of Christmas movie, although that Christmas isn't or isn't necessarily the main focus. It's called "It Happened on Fifth Avenue." Okay, nineteen forty-seven. I don't know. I'm not. I'm, I, I'm not seeing. I probably it. won't go much into it, but yeah, uh, another four and a half star for me. 
I, f- I feel like I talked about this next one, uh, number 13, quite a bit when I watched it. First Reformed, this is the Paul Schrader movie. It stars okay. uh, Ethan Hawke. He plays Priest. Uh, just a phenomenal movie. Really, really good. I, I will say that he's riffing off so many better movies, like he's riffing off of Diary of a Country Priest and Winterlight from Bergman and even his own Taxi Driver and all of this. But, you know, if you like kind of the tortured soul drama crisis of faith genre, um, you know, all those movies are better. So don't start with that one. But there ha- it's probably the best one in a few decades of that genre. So really, really good movie. All right. Next up, 12 for me. I've been mildly disappointed with where Marvel has gone over yeah. the last few years. And when Thor Love and Thunder came out, it got a lot of negative reviews. Yeah. But guess what? Before I saw any reviews and I just went to the theater and saw it, I walked out of that movie loving it, wondering to myself, was that a five-star movie? I gave it four and a half. I, I st- I've only watched it that one time, but even though I'm... I feel like it's not just split. I feel like more people don't like it than like it. Oh, I, yeah. I think of very negative reviews. Four and a half stars for me. Thor, a, Love, and Thunder. I had a nightmare that I was watching <laughs> She-Hulk the other day. <laughs> <laughs> and I say a nightmare because I was like, I don't want to watch this, but there it was. So I've been mostly disappointed, but this was a highlight for me of this phase I, four. I feel like the tide is starting to turn on popular yes. opinion. On Marvel. Yeah, very yeah, much so. Definitely. I'm, I'm I, in thrilled. fact, with the, the changes in Disney's CEO, yeah. uh, I feel like the leadership changes could have, like, part of it has to be Star Wars has been failing, yep. and Marvel is, for the first time, taking a turn in a negative direction. All right. What do you got for 12? Uh, 12 is a movie I know you love, uh, Dial M for Murder. I do love Dial this M for Murder. This is a terrific movie. Hitchcock making a lot of appearances on these lists tonight. Yeah, and and for the better here, uh, I don't put it quite top tier Hitchcock if we're talking about like Vertigo and Rear Window and Psycho. It's not quite there, but it would be that next tier yeah. below that. Is this one I recommended to you or is that like, is this from that list or? I don't it? know. Okay. I know I, I can see you gave it five stars. I gave yeah. it four and a half, but I, I mean, I, well, that missing half star isn't an indication I didn't, yeah. I loved it. Uh, my number 11 is one you recommended to me, although I, this one I would have come across at some point in my life. It's The Ten Commandments. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, obviously, I would have seen it eventually, but uh, I think you had seen it and encouraged me to watch it. And, man, beautiful movie. You know, there's certain actors, like you were mentioning Hunt for Red October earlier. Yeah. Like, you know, and even Marnie. So, so part of the problem with Marnie is they try and get Sean Connery to have a different accent. And that's a mistake nobody else ever made. It's like, okay, Sean Connery, <laughs> you're going to play a Russian sub general. Uh, just just speak with your normal Scottish burr. Yeah. And so they like that just became the thing Sean Connery did. It's like, we're, we'll just have you play any nationality out there as yourself. And everyone just buys it and it works. Yeah. I feel like Charlton Heston was the previous generation of that. You know, so he played... Uh, he plays a, a well Moses and Ten Commandments, <laughs> but I was thinking of in uh, in a Touch of Evil. He plays oh. a Mexican, and you just completely buy it, even though it's Charlton Heston the whole time. But yeah, and then it's like you know Moses as as Ten Commandments. This is a great movie. Uh, ben Hur is the same type of thing. It's just Charlton Heston yeah. out there. Yeah. Uh, number ten for you. Number eleven for me. Oh, sorry. Yep. Uh, is so Criterion released a box set of early Martin Scorsese shorts. So very beginning of the movie and he has one in there that just told this is part of what i love about 
curation and criteria to stuff you'd just never watch and then even or even be aware of and so it's like martin scorsese has this short movie it's under an hour and it's him interviewing his parents oh. and it's called italian american and it's like well okay that might be mildly interesting then you watch it and his mom's this care it's just terrific it's yeah. just this conversation with cool. them and it's like it feels like it would be totally awkward and and bizarre and it's it's wonderful it's 49 minutes long Highly recommended, whether you're a Scorsese fan or not. Where did you see? We, where did you say that we could find that? It's Criterion released a box set, okay. but it's probably available somewhere. Okay, yeah, that sounds good. All right, number ten for me. We were talking about westerns earlier in this film, and next up is uh, my number ten from 1959 called Rio Bravo. Have you seen this movie? Yeah. Yep. Did you recommend it to me? I possibly? probably did. Man, I as I was just watching it, or not just watching it, but as I was watching it, I I couldn't quite put my finger on what was drawing me in so much but i was just hooked on this one um yeah i've westerns have been a new thing for me just in the last three years i think is when you started recommending some different ones to me so yeah real, real bravo four and a half stars and and what are your thoughts on this one you know i probably need to rewatch it because there are a number of westerns that kind of blur together but i do remember liking it okay uh, number 10 for me, the new Robert Eggers movie, The Northman, which oh, I yes. just loved. Okay. This is just a terrific movie. Um, not, And it's his worst movie. You know, mm. He's made three movies now. Uh, he just, by the way, you know, since we don't really do news anymore, I'll slip into news here. He's remaking Nosferatu, and he just cast Willem Dafoe as uh, Count Orloff in mm. Nosferatu. So that's going to be terrific. Um, you know, such a great director. So he's made The Witch. The Lighthouse. Lighthouse, in my opinion, is the best movie, followed by The Witch. The Northman is number three, and it's a five-star movie. Wow. Uh, it's just terrific. My next one is also a recent movie uh, movie from 2022, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Is this going to be on your list? Or? It, it's not. I enjoyed it. I didn't enjoy it enough to put it you know, in my top list, but it, it's a good movie. Yeah, I gave it four and a half stars, and I feel like at this point, everyone listening has seen this movie probably. Yeah. It is the hype for this was unlike what you usually see from films. Yeah, and it's good, but it's not... As good as the reputation says it is, which isn't a criticism. It's like I had Portrait of a Lady on Fire in here saying the same thing. Yeah. You know, that movie isn't as good as the hype is, but it's a good movie. I think I'd agree because even though I gave it four and a half stars, I'm saying it's my ninth favorite film I watched last year, or first time viewing, I should say. Uh, yeah, I did leave that viewing feeling like I can see why people liked it, but people thinking this is the best movie that's come out yeah. in years, I don't see that. No, not at, not at all. Uh, so from here on out, everything but one on my list is from Criterion. Okay. And number nine, I think we both watched this, Double Indemnity. Oh, yeah. Oh. Uh, this was this what, was really good. When did I? I might have watched it in 2023 because I, no. No, you watched it. Let me look it up. Maybe I gave it only four stars. On December 21st, right, 2022. Let's, let's see what I give it. You gave it four. Okay, that explains it. This is my four and a half or higher. And you, you, you didn't like that the main character wasn't moral enough for you. Is that what I wrote? I more or less. I don't have it in front of me. Uh, yeah, it's a good movie. Billy Wilder. Um, I think I gave it five stars. Yeah, I gave it five stars. I really like this movie. All right. All right. Number eight for you. Number eight. Oh yeah. Okay. So you, who's the director you always watch every year? John Carpenter. Yeah, I usually watch a John Carpenter every year. And I will sometimes watch the same ones that you've watched. But I usually don't like them. Right. <laughs> but You didn't like The Thing. Oh, man, but I loved They Live. Roddy, R- Rowdy, 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 Rowdy Piper, <laughs> 1988. I mean, let's just forget about the fact that there's a professional wrestler right. as a star. 
I really like the story. It's great. It's a great sci-fi film. So yeah, I would. I want to believe that even if Rowdy Roddy Piper wasn't the star, <laughs> I would still love this. But I have to also admit, I may like it more because of him. Yeah, and I, I understand that. I mean, it's it's such a quirky, weird movie. You know, it's. I it's, love the idea though. I, Twilight Zone ish. Yes, I, you know, I like Twilight Zone. So yeah, this uh, it's sort of a alien invasion story, but like secret invasion. They, people don't quite know what's happening. Uh, yeah, and th- there is some X-Files elements. Yeah. There's a lot to like about this movie. I'm actually surprised it's only four and a half. I would have, if you had asked me what I gave this, I would have thought five. I mean, five for the, the parking lot fight alone. It's Yes. Which is great. If you haven't seen the movie, they they get in a fist fight in the parking lot, and you think, okay, well, what's special about that? Well, what's special about it is, like, this is an 80-minute movie or something, and that's about 15 <laughs> of those 80 minutes is them having this fist fight. And the, it just goes on. And every time you think it's over, it just starts up again. It's terrific. I want to watch it again right now. This is the first movie that, as I've been talking about them, I'm thinking I'd like to go and rewatch this one. All right, number eight for me is Noah Baumbach's Marriage Story, which starred Adam oh, Driver yes. and Scarlett a Johansson. A Netflix original. Oh, this was... Uh, this was a, a like a just one of those. I don't know if I'd call it a tearjerker, but it's an intense movie. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going through a divorce. They have a kid, and uh, you know, it just it's an intense movie. It's a it's a movie that just puts you in these characters' stories, and and you feel what they're going through, and you see them at their best and at their worst, and everything in between. And it's it's terrific. It's terrific. It's, I mentioned that I'm paying attention to the Barbie movie. Well, Noah Baumbach's mm. watching, writing the Barbie movie. It's like this weird thing. That movie's going to, whatever it is, that's going to be weird. Yeah. I think we're going to see it in the theater. I don't think I'm going to see it. I think I'm going to get you to see Barbie in the theater. <laughs> <laughs> that will be one of my 2023 goals. All right. Number seven for me. All right. Let's see. I see the title and I barely remember what this is about. 1939's Five Came Back. Any idea what this is about? Uh, it sounds like it's about a war. It's actually not. Uh, there's a plane crash, and some people get stranded on a, in a jungle. And what, it's got some uh, Lord of the Flies vibes where what happens when people start to kind of lose their minds. I see that Lucille Ball, actually, was one of the stars before she was the Lucy you would recognize. Like the comedic Lucy. Right, right. Five stars. I don't... Just in the same way that I said I gave They Live four and a half, but I would have expected a five. I don't remember this one clearly enough to see why I gave it a five. And I don't have my, my review right in front of me, but oh no, I just pulled up my review and it's, uh, it's uh, I see a lot of references to the TV show Lost. Oh dear. That's why. I think it might have reminded me of Lost. <laughs> <laughs> That's why. Um, and very short. It looks like uh, I said it was a short. It was short, but it draws you into the drama and conflict very well. Before that, I mentioned Lost three times. That's that's a lot. All right, what do you got for number seven for you? Number seven for me is the seven-hour miniseries Russian adaptation of War and Peace. Wow. Which is just terrific. Okay. How uh, many sessions did you watch that in? I, I think it's divided into episodes, so okay. several. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's seven hours long, but it's I mean, it's just big and spectacular and... and the type of movie you just don't see very much. All right, number six for me. This one might not be totally fair because it's the last episode of a, a TV series I liked, but it's more of a documentary than the rest of the show. I'm talking about Nathan for You's finale. Oh, yeah, so the, the Finding Francis. Finding Francis. So last year, Ben and I talked about Nathan for You quite a bit. I just He recently discovered it, and I just watched it for the first time, and I love this comedy. 
It's amazing. And the final episode breaks the mold of what had been happening on the show. And they just do a, it's comedic, but also a little serious documentary. And that's on Letterboxd. So there it is. Five stars. But I feel like the five star. Comedic and serious. The five star was for Nathan for you as a whole. Yeah. I mean, that episode's good, but it's not the best thing he did in that series. Agreed, but I will say it kind of is a step in his evolution. I know. Like blurring reality and fiction. I don't know if we're looking too far into it because we do these deep dives on books and movies and things like that. But it's possible that this guy's career, Nathan Fielder, it's possible there's something special happening there that we're in the middle of. Like, yeah, how he's presenting himself as real, what's not. He's presenting himself as a different kind of artist. I, I, yes, it is very postmodern. It's very metatextual. Uh, it's, he, he's terrific. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I mentioned, you know, we've talked about curation a few times, and every now and then, you know, there's something where it's like, I don't want to watch this. I'm going to hate this movie. And this was one of them. And as it started, I thought, yep. I'm going to hate this movie. And then five stars. And it's the movie Moonstruck, starring Cher and Nicolas Cage. And I would, because you love romantic comedies, I can't recommend this movie highly enough, especially to to you. Especially to you. So it's, who is it again? Cher and Nicolas Cage. Okay, I I did hear what you're saying, but I got distracted by preparing for my next movie. It's Moonstruck. Moonstruck. Really? Yeah, okay. and as it started, like the opening ten minutes, I thought, I I don't even know if I'm gonna make it through this movie. I I, I it just looks awful, and then it just gets going and it clicks, and it was it became one of my favorite movies of the year. And it's like it's such a we- I've had this happen a couple of times where like you start watching a movie and you think, ah, I'm gonna hate this, and then it goes on. And you're like, this okay, this is maybe working. Then by the end of it, you're like, I think that was a five star movie. <laughs> Like, yeah. I think I loved that movie, and this was one of them. And you know, the last, probably the, the closest analog for me was La La Land, where I watched the first scene of La La Land where they're dancing yeah. on the cars. I, I hate everything about this movie. I, I'm watching it because I loved Whiplash. That's yeah. the only reason I'm watching this movie, but I hate everything about this movie, and then I loved the movie. It's a Moonstruck. Can't right. recommend it I, highly I'll enough. watch it. That's a good recommendation. Yeah. Share. Nicholas Cage, he's terrific. She's terrific. Uh, everything about this movie is fantastic. This is crazy, but my next one is also a romantic comedy. But it's a different type of... It's not the romantic comedy that you see now where there's a formula. This is from 1972. And before I tell you the movie, I just want to say... I used to do something that I don't do as much where I would go to the different streaming services, maybe HBO Max or Hulu, and I'd see what movies are expiring. Yeah. Like, what am I about to lose my chance to watch? Which now I've realized that that means nothing. Because if it leaves Hulu, it's going to go over it'll to Netflix. Be back. No, not just that. Or, like, it'll yeah. literally, like, the next day it's on Netflix. So, but if you have enough streaming services, it doesn't matter when they're expiring. But I, I'll i be honest and say, at one point earlier this year, or no, last year, and for years before that, I've let that what's leaving guide my viewing more than I should have. Now I'm just too busy to let that happen. I, I'm pretty strict with what I'm watching currently. Okay, so. I saw this list of what was leaving HBO Max last summer, and this movie caught my eye. It's called What's Up, Doc? <laughs> Have you heard of this movie? I feel like I've heard of it. I've never heard of it. From It's from 1972, and okay, I have more funny things to say about this. I watched the whole film. I knew it was starring Barbara Streisand. I thought her love interest was played by Robert Redford until this very second. 
<laughs> I, I, I've never heard of this guy. Do you know who Ryan O'Neill is? I, I don't. Well, I watched the whole movie with him, and I thought he was Robert Redford. <laughs> oh, I know who Ryan O'Neill is. He played... Uh, oh, Barry Lyndon. Barry Lyndon in Barry Lyndon. Yes, okay, well... What's Up, Doc? is one of the funniest movies I've ever watched, and I give it five stars, right. and I don't know, I don't know if I just, well, I chose to watch it, but I still had minimal expectations because I'd never heard of it, and all of a sudden, it's one of the funniest things I've ever, I've, well, one of the funniest things I saw last year, I'll say, I'll leave it at that, and maybe ever, I don't know. I am surprised that Robert Redford's not in it, <laughs> but... Uh, I don't. Do you know this director? Yeah, Peter, P- Peter Bogdanovich. Yeah, he, I've watched. He has a movie called The Last Picture Show that was in Criterion that I've watched. He's been an actor in a number of things. So it's described as a screwball comedy. So if you like screwball comedies from 1972, I guess I highly recommend it. I'm shocked that I, this one I, it ended, and then I wanted to watch it right away. I want. I I didn't right. for time purposes. And it, it was expiring. It was expiring. But I like. I want to. I want to own this movie and be able to watch it whenever I want. Well, that's a, a great recommendation. What's up, Doc? I, so, it feels weird. A pair of comedy recommendations. Yeah. So I'll here. check out Moonstruck. You should check I, out What's Up, I Doc. I will. Okay. I hope you like it as much as me. Sometimes I recommend things and you go with it, but you end up hating it. Well, I, the nice thing is you know that if I tell you I like it, I'm not just telling that's you. That's true. Yeah. Okay. It, it's good. genuine because right. I'll also tell you if I hate it. So this was probably my biggest surprise of the year because I didn't know it existed until right before I watched it. All right, what do you got, number five? Number five for me is a movie called The Ascent. This was also on the sight and sound list. Uh, it's a World War II movie, Soviet movie, uh, and it's terrific. Uh, it um, has to do with uh, deserters, I, I think, in the Soviet Army, and it's just you would not like this one because you okay. don't like war movies. It's very searing and bleak and Soviet and, and you know all the things that comes from living in Russia in the middle of the 20th century. Uh, but it's a terrific movie. Terrific movie. All right. Number four for me is a movie you recommended to me. You may have even put it on my list of things to watch. It's Before Sunset. Yes. From 2004. We did. I thought we did. Uh, I think we did a, a, a episode on the Before trilogy. Is it on the Patreon feed? Maybe. I'm trying to find it. I'm on our website right now trying to find it so I could refer people to it. But uh, yes. Before Sunset. Well, tell me the names of the movies. Uh, before Sunrise. Before Sunset. Before Midnight. Oh, so the oh, I'm actually oh, so I must have watched the other ones in the previous year, because then this is the second film. This it's is before the sunset. The, okay, okay, so yes, great trilogy. I think now that I've watched them all pretty much back to back, I think of them more as a set than maybe I should. Yep. No, I think, and I do think they're in conversation with each other. The whole is greater than the sum of its parts. And in fact, when I watch, I've watched the trilogy twice. Watching it the second time was an even better experience because of that. I, I think it's likely we cover this on the Patreon feed because I can't find it on our website. Well, one more reason to go subscribe so, at patreon.com slash the sci-fi Christian. Before sunset, five stars. Right, number four for me is Joel Cohen's adaptation of Macbeth, The Tragedy of Macbeth. I thought this was terrific. I love Macbeth. I love the Cohen brothers. Uh, you have Denzel Washington as Macbeth. You have Francis McDormand as Lady Macbeth. Uh, this is just a terrific movie. I, I've seen a lot of adaptations of Macbeth. I won't. I don't know if I'm prepared to say this is the best because uh, there's a few really good ones, including Orson Welles' adaptation. Uh, but this one's up there. This this is a really good adaptation. All right. Next up for me is a movie I know you watched after I recommended it. You didn't like it as much as me, but I'm talking about 1991's Defending Your Life. Yeah. You want to give your initial feelings, and I'll try to sell it a little bit. It was I. What do you do? You remember what you gave it, or what I think do you feel? I gave it f- 
three and a half, four okay. stars. So, uh, I think listeners will know that I kind of like. This is going to sound morbid. I like to think about death, not in the, not in like a gross way, but just I wanted. I think it's important to remember that our lifetime here is limited, so that you focus and prioritize correctly. And so this movie is about the afterlife. It is a comedy. It's a, I don't know what's his name, Brooks, Albert Brooks. Right. So one of his films. Um, so it's it's interesting to see how different people would uh, like how they think of the afterlife. Afterlife. So um, we wouldn't necessarily agree with everything that he has there, but it, it it's not theologically accurate. Yeah, not theologically accurate, <laughs> but it did. It's just another thing that got me uh, thinking about life in a different way. And I, uh, yeah, I don't know, I'm not sure how much more I want to say about it, but I, I gave it five stars and you gave it three and a half. <laughs> so I was moved by well, it and you thought it was fine. It, and part of why I thought it was fine is that it's there's actually a whole genre of movies like this. Oh, really? And the greatest one is a movie called A Matter of Life and Death. Okay. Which I, I strongly recommend to you. Yeah. I think you would actually love it. Okay. Powell and Pressburger from, I think, the 40s. Uh, Alec Guinness might be in it. I, okay. I could be remembering that wrong. But it's a terrific movie, and it blows this one out Well, of the guess water. what? I had no idea there was a genre. Like, this was its own oh, little yeah. subgenre. Yeah, yeah, no, there's a lot of movies like this. If you this. think of more. I, I will. Yeah. I, yeah. Because this is a, I know it's weird. I don't necessarily like movies about death. I like movies that will make me use my time I have here wisely. I mean, the sense of, like, it will encourage me to live in a different way. Okay, there it is. Number yeah, three. kind of morbid. Uh, so... Criterion, of course, has a number of directors where they've released multiple movies for them. You know, Kira Kurosawa, they've released a ton of his stuff. Ingmar Bergman and, you know, directors like that, you look forward to them and say, oh, another Bergman coming up. That's exciting. And then there's other directors like my nemesis, Jean-Luc Goddard, who I just hate. I hate everything about him. My most liked letterbox review is one where I use the F word in relation to Jean-Luc Goddard. I just hate him. Uh, he has a couple of very good movies, but I, I do hate him. One director who I'd considered more on the Jean-Luc Goddard uh, end of the spectrum, who's I just dread when I, I see one of his movies coming up, is Mike Lees, the British director. He made a movie called Naked, which I hated, a movie called Meantime, which I hated, a couple that I've been indifferent to. And so I saw this movie coming up, Secrets and Lies, and it's like, and I look at it, it's 142 minutes long. So I'm like, holy crap, it's Mike Lee, it's two and a half hours. Oh, I don't want to watch this movie. So I sit down and watch it because I'm watching through Criterion. Incredible. Just, it's it's about, so the plot of it is this uh, grown woman who's been given up for adoption gets in contact with her birth mother. Okay, so and, she wasn't given up for adoption as a grown woman. No, no, no. She's, she's given up for adoption as a, as a baby. Okay. Uh, due to circumstances I don't recall at the moment, don't particularly matter, she gets in touch with her birth mother and this movie's just incredible. Like, it is funny. It is moving. Uh, it just, you know, cuts you deep. I, I, I think you would like this movie. Okay. Uh, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Uh, totally redeems the other garbage I've sat through for Mike Lee. It's incredible. Yep. Like it, and it. I never would have watched it if it wasn't in Criterion. All right, your number two. All right, so for my number two and my number one, I won't talk about them both unless you want to hear. I don't know which one I like more. All right. I I love them both. They're both movies you told me to watch. I kind of just want to tell you my one and two. All right. Do you care if I yeah, do it that way? Go, go I'm going to give it to you in the order I've, I've prepared, and you tell me if I'm correct or okay. if you believe I'm correct. So number two, 
Yojimbo, five stars. Yep. Number one for me, The Third Man, five stars. So I would say that's the correct order. Okay. Uh, Yojimbo from 1961, The Third Man from 1949. Maybe I'll just talk about Yojimbo and I'll come back to Third Man. Uh, we, we were talking earlier in this movie or in this episode about samurai movies. And is this the best one? No, I mean, Seven S- Samurai. It's S- not even the best Akira Kurosawa. Okay. Uh, did you watch the sequel? No. Well, did I? Sanjuro? Did I? I don't remember. I feel... Well, you should. It, it's good. Yeah, so you think Seventh Seven Samurai. Oh, it blows Yojimbo out of the water. The I love Yojimbo, but it blows it out of the water. I did not watch Sanjuro. Well, you should. You okay. know, I think you'd like it. So, yeah, I love this one. But uh, you told me it was based on something, and it's, it's uh, I can't remember which one. Yojimbo, what? Yojimbo came no, first. It inspired an American film. And inspired a fistful of dollars. Okay, thank you. Yes. Okay. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll have to remember to check out the sequel. Yeah, no, Yojimbo is terrific. I loved it. And The Third Man is such a well, great Let's come movie. back to Third Man. Okay, I'll so do you that. want me to do my number yeah. two first? Uh, my number two is the Wim Wenders, another Criterion one. Wim Wenders, who's did, uh, he's done a lot of great movies. Paris, Texas, uh, Wings of Desire, which was remade as a Nicolas Cage angel movie called City of Angels. Yes, I have heard of that. Uh, so he has this movie, which is a six-hour, almost six-hour miniseries. No, not quite. Almost five-hour miniseries uh, called Until the End of the World. And it's terrific. It's just terrific. It's it's this big, sprawling movie. Uh, I, you know, I, I was excited to watch it because I like Wim Wenders, but then I wasn't I wasn't expecting it to blow me away this much. I mean, it has Sam Neill, Max von Sydow, uh, William Hurt is in it, you know, and it's it takes place at the end of the world that we don't, you know, that's just sort of the backdrop. We don't really get specifics on why the world is ending. And it's, it, it it's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. I love this movie. All right, let's go to number one, third man. So you recommended this. I actually referenced you in my review by reference. You as my friend recommended. This I always me. know. Yeah. I'm usually it's, it's usually, friend. if it's a good movie. Yeah. Usually you No, I just, I'm, I'm scanning through here. I am talking about a great cast, great story, it was engaging. It was humorous. Great soundtrack. I mean, this I watched this on January second, twenty twenty two, which means my favorite movie I watched for the entire calendar year of twenty two. I watched on the second day of that year. Wow! You started off with a bang. Yeah. So, what what are your thoughts on Third Man? I mean, I love it. It's like it's Carol Reed is the director, not Orson Welles, which I could see people making the mistake because he plays yeah. prominently in it. Uh, it's one of the great thrillers of all time. I think the thing, you know, the plot's terrific, the acting's terrific, it's exciting, all of that. But you know, the thing that always stands out to me uh, with the Third Man is is if I wanted to make an argument for people about why you should appreciate black and white cinema, this is maybe the movie I would point you to. Or there's a handful, but the way that that he shoots uh, Vienna and and these cobbled streets and the use of yeah. shadows and the rain on the on the cobblestones and it's like you could just watch this movie obviously you're watching it but you just watch it with the sound off and it's still this great experience you know the final shot is this famous one of him yeah. walking away with the trees and yeah. i i i love this movie you know it's it's people probably see the twist coming for modern audiences but you know something has to do it first mm-hmm. and and it does and it has a great you know the cuckoo clock speech which i won't spoil but if you've seen the movie you you, you know what i'm talking about it's terrific and I love the third man. Absolutely adore it. Yeah, I also love it. And I was just thinking, you're mentioning black and white film. There was a time in my life 
when that would have been a turnoff, and I would yeah. not want to watch it. Now, when I put a movie on and it's black and white, th- there's something. It's almost not that it's instantly better. It has a gravitas, maybe. That yeah. It's there's something about it. I I can't exactly explain it, but it's a plus for me now, whereas it used to be a negative. Look. Let's say that if we were going to rank, and it's silly to rank because you can have great cinematography, black and white, or color. But if we wanted to rank uh, black and white, normal color, and technicolor, uh, normal color, which is where 95 or more percent of modern movies are shot in, is the clear loser Hmm. among those three. I was just thinking, I, I know we mentioned at the beginning of this episode, My Darling Clementine, this Western that I just watched yesterday, and beautifully shot yeah and black and white also yep, yeah yep. i mean there there's some things are so i don't know how to put it you're looking at it and you just want to keep watching like keep staring at what at the cinematography yeah and you know john ford's such a master of and because it's a different thing to shoot in black and white than it is color and it's like the searchers is is one of the quintessential technicolor movies you think of that final shot and everything as he's sitting standing in the doorway and and you know then you have you know stagecoach my darling clementine and other movies he did where he, he's master of the black and white uh there's just so few directors who who know how to use those effectively. I actually think, you know, mentioning the Coen brothers uh, and just Joel Coen for Tragedy of Macbeth, that's shot in black and white, and it's it's phenomenal. It wouldn't be as good in color. So I mentioned that I realized it was the same story as what we get from Tombstone, although I'm not positive I've seen Tombstone. I'm just familiar with it. Have you watched Tombstone, and do you recommend that film? I have watched half of Tombstone like 20 years ago, and I hated it. Okay. Do you remember why you hated it, or do you not remember? It was like more of a romant, uh, romantic movie than it was a Western, okay. but maybe I'm wrong. In My Darling Clementine, they mentioned The City of Deadwood, Yep. which I know you want me to watch that HBO show. Is I don't really... Is is Wyatt Earp connected to the Deadwood, the Deadwood story? No. Okay. No. I don't know anything about the, the real-life story. All right, my number one. Number one. Favorite movie favorite first time viewing of the year and again it's like criterion why why do i sit here and watch through 1100 plus movies at this point it's to find things like this that i would never have found otherwise never would have watched it because my number one is a skateboarding documentary (laughs) yes i I hear what you're saying i mean i'm sure it's great but yeah first like my first response is why yeah why so it's a movie called minding the gap and it's by a director named Bin Lu. It's the only movie he's done so far. And it started as him just shooting footage of him and his friends skateboarding. And then as he started to... So it's shot over a number of years. And as he started to assemble the footage, he got recognized, given funding to actually turn this into a feature movie. It was released on Hulu, so you can watch oh, this yeah, on I Hulu. Oh, right, yeah. And so first few minutes of the movie, it's like, okay, I can tell this thing's really well shot. And it's it, it kind of had this Terrence Malicky feel to watching skateboards. So it's like, okay, this is going to be – this could actually be a good movie about you know skateboarding and friendship and blah, 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 blah. And then the next 90 minutes go by. And it – what he constructed over the years he shot this is this portrait of his – he and his friends and the – devastation of growing up in fatherless homes and skateboarding is just the the backdrop for this and it becomes this portrait as you see his friends just at times making horrible choices and like he has the 
you know, one of the highlights is he's interviewing his mom about some of the things she did, in the, you know, and just this brutally honest interview with her and the mistakes she made. And they're both crying during it. And you're like, I thought this was about skateboarding. And it's like this, this brutal coming of age movie about the importance of fathers and among other things. I mean, that's the theme that stood out to me. And it's like, I never seen anything like it before. It, it, is so honest and the way like you you couldn't have a professional set out and make this movie it had to be this kind of beginning with amateur you know very basic badly shot and then you because you can see through the footage his skills as a videographer growing and as a filmmaker growing and and everything and like this movie is devastating in the best possible way i cannot recommend it enough it is uh you watch it you're like yeah skateboarding i don't really know anything about skateboarding i don't really have any interest in skateboarding and then 90 minutes later your life will be changed it's an incredible movie just incredible all right yeah because it's on hulu this will be easy for me to check out yeah i it, it will rip you in two okay um a hard watch, I mean, you know, and especially just knowing some of your background with your dad, like this yeah. could really, you know, you might feel this one a lot. All right, I'll, I'll check it's, it out. It's powerful, powerful movie. All right, there's the list, everybody. Our least favorite and favorite first time viewings of 2022. And the next episode, we're going to do favorite books. Books. First time reads of 2022. And some, are we, no, we don't do bad ones for that one, right? I have a, I have a three bad ones. I don't think I have any prepared. Okay. So there we go. So that's all from now. That's all from here. From I'm Matt Anderson. I'm Betty Ball. We're the Sapphire Christian signing off. And goodbye. I was thinking, though, because we have some stuff to do over on the Patreon feed. I wonder if we should do books next week. Uh, we probably should. I mean, we're, we have to choose between that and Heart of Darkness because yeah. we're, we're not going to have time for both. All right, listeners. Goodbye. Bye.